hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. The Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right right back. He's not that Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand. On a penalty shot. Score! Blue guard down the wing. Blue guard pulls away. Score! Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! All right, here tonight on the Five for Fighting podcast, uh, back in the swing of things after I've been gone for about a month, uh, we have a guy who really came on my radar early in terms of the the fighting and you know being the tough guy role and really loves to hype up the crowd, and that is one Mr. Cole Frazier of the Toledo Walleye. Cole, how are you doing tonight, man? Good, how are you? Good. I appreciate you taking the time to come onto the podcast and uh, talk some hockey and uh, you know get... Get, get your take on everything in your first year in Toledo. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, my first year in Toledo was one to remember for sure. Um, I mean, my ECHL career was a little bit tougher than most. Um, my first year ended up being COVID year, so it got canceled halfway through the year. Um, and then going into the season after that, it was kind of more of a just, you know, 13 teams playing in the league, just trying to find a place to play here, there, basically everywhere I played for three teams. And then I found a, a full-time home last year. And, you know, that really, uh, that really sat at home because it was, it was one of those first full years with a team organization that uh, had given me a chance to play. And, and uh, you know, it was a great group of guys and we made a long run, but came up just a little bit short, but it was a great season. And I love that place. So I'm going back next year. Absolutely, man. Um, well, you know, before we kind of get into your ECHL career, I, I always like to ask the guys. So you were born in, in Ottawa, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, so were you a typical Canadian kid? You start off like as soon as you could walk, you're on skates, or were you a late bloomer at all? No, as soon as I could basically walk, I was playing. Um, I mean, my parents always said, well, especially my mom, she goes, I I think you were playing hockey in my stomach when you when I was pregnant with you. <laughs> so it was kind of... I was just kind of running around inside there, but yeah, I've been playing as long as I can remember. And, um, we have some land back home. So my dad would always make an outdoor rink in the winter. So we'd have that going on too. Oh man. That's the, I'm always jealous of that. Cause you know, I, I love playing hockey. I'm terrible at it though. You know, I'm D league bender, but I would love to sit there. just be able to go out in the backyard and play hockey. Um, yeah, my dad had the street lights. Um, like those big industrial street lights for late night hockey. We played till the early morning, early hours in the morning, especially on Christmas and New Year's. Those were two big nights and we'd have friends over and they'd come out and they'd skate with us. And um, my sister played a little bit of hockey too. And 
Um, she ended up stopped playing a few years back, but she, her and I would go out there and play in the, uh, in the night with my dad too sometimes. So it was a good, it was a good time. Right on, man. Um, well, you actually ended up getting drafted into the OHL. You know, how did that come about for you? Um, you know, Go ahead. Oh, I was just sorry. I thought you were about to say something. Um, yeah. So was it was it kind of something that was a goal of yours from early on just to kind of excel, or were you just kind of having fun and then somebody? Because uh, I've heard it. I, I've talked to guys before. Where they're like out of nowhere. You know, the dub or the OHL came out, and they're like, "Yeah, you want to come to camp?" And they're like, "What the <laughs> what the hell?" You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, um, well, in Ottawa, in that area, there's a. Uh, there's a camp or there's a league called the CCHL, which is just tier one junior A. Um, And they kind of do like a protections agent, like a protections thing and um, draft and everything a year before the OHL. So they give you that chance to, uh, to go play there. Um, And then obviously take that road and go school. But, um, you know, I was protected by them. And, um, and then I got the call, say that I was drafted to the Pete's in the third round. They wanted me to come up for a uh, press conference on that day. And um, it was only two hours, two and a half hours to the rink from my front door. So I was like, let's go. So we went up there and um, they ended up uh, giving me a contract in April of that year, um, kind of just after um, the draft. And they were like, you can come play next year um, and so on. So I signed there and, um, I mean, my junior career was a little, it was a little bit tough, um, just in, in ways of being in a spot that was, I mean, I definitely produced my second year. My first year was a little bit tougher. Um, just a lot of moving parts in that aspect. And then kind of going from solidifying myself as like that tough guy. And, you know, you don't always want to be put in the role of a tough guy, tough guy because you can play like I know myself I can play the game I mean I played forward for 11 years I'm versatile I can do all that sort of stuff and um I can definitely throw down when I need to and um so going into junior career it was kind of tough because the OHL dropped their fight count down to three so I couldn't really do that um so that's that's kind of why I left early I didn't play my overage year and I just went straight to the coast but um my junior career was Second year, we made a nice run for it, went to the conference final. Um, and then the years after that, we were kind of just, uh, you know, bottom feeders, kind of just trying to grind it out and get through the years and everything. But, um, you know, it made me grow a lot as a person and and matured enough to be able to go play pro as a 20-year-old. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, and you actually ended up getting drafted by Detroit. You know, what, how, what kind of feeling was that for you? I mean, it was a, it was an interesting feeling for sure. Um, my agent, my family and I, and my, um, went down to the, uh, the draft is in Chicago that year. And, uh, we went to my agent and I actually had just gone to the bathroom. They were like, New Jersey, just called a timeout. we got five minutes. We can go to the bathroom. So we get there and, uh, um, we walk in and, going to the bathroom we start walking out and then they announced my name and i came running down the tunnel and see my dad and gave my mom and dad a hug and went down and it was just a crazy feeling because um my captain um my captain was uh hold on 
So I'll just stop. <laughs> no, I got good. my two shepherds in here with me. Oh yeah, thank um, God. Well, that's part of the reason I haven't been able to podcast in so long. My wife's been traveling for work, and we just got a new German short hair pointer, and he's just balls to the wall all the time. So it's like, oh, yeah. I can't have. Him yeah, we around. got. <laughs> yeah, we have a one year old shepherd and a two year old shepherd. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, so they're in full in full force right now. <laughs> they're ready to go outside and play. But uh, yeah, so. Um, it was kind of cool because my captain in Peterborough, we were both drafted at the same, uh, he was drafted the same year as I was. I was drafted the same year he was. And uh, he ended up getting picked in Detroit um, in the third round. So he was already up there in the press box um, talking with everyone. So when I got up there, he was like, no way. And it was kind of cool. You got to see a familiar face. And um, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's sweet, man. Um, and you, you talk about it before with the OHL, you, before we get into your ECHL career here, um, you know, you brought it up with the with kind of like finding the groove of the tough guy role. Did that was that something that started for you in Bantam, or did you kind of was it because I know some guys when they get to junior, you're like, okay, I got to stand out, I got to do something, and guys will start fighting a bit more. Um, so was that something that was always part of your game, or did that develop later on? Um, my first fight was in the OHL. Um, right. I'd never fought before that, um, so it was kind of just like a heat of the moment thing. I fought a guy named Johnny Cornell. Um, and I remember my parents were actually at that game. My mom hated it because she'd never <laughs> seen me fight before. So she was at the game and I guess my dad said she hid behind him cause she didn't, she didn't know what it was all about. And, you know, my, my uncle, um, played in the OHL used to fight Ty Domi all the time. And, uh, his brother played in the NHL and, uh, for the Hartford Whalers and his crew came up short a little bit just because of an injury. But, uh, yeah, I mean. It was more of a kind of heat of the moment. I was like, hmm, I'm good at this. Like, I can, I can make a run with this and kind of get to the next level with it, hopefully. Um, but also know, like, I can still play the game and produce. Um, so it's kind of like a fine line. Like, you know, there's these guys who can – all they can do is fight. and That's kind of their whole role. But for myself, I like to see myself as a two-way player. I mean, I can play both. I can – be that tough enforcer when you need me to, but I can also play the game. No, and that's it. That's a, that's what's so it's in 2022. It's very, very valuable to have that in the game. And I think the game has far surpassed the days of, you know, having the guy that plays those two minutes a night and um, what have you. And but I, I got to ask. So, you know, even though it might not be your sole purpose is just a strictly an enforcer. Cause obviously, like I said, you have to play the game as well. Do you like the 10 fight rule at all? I, I ask guys that play in the coast that all the time, um, like the I mean, 10 fight. Rule. I've never maxed it. I think it's a good amount. I think it's enough to show that you are willing to throw down and really willing to do that stuff. But I mean, at the same time, it's also, um, you're also at that point where it's like, you're preserving yourself. I mean, back in the day when guys were fighting 30, 40, 50 times a season, I mean, you look at them now and there's so much going on with your brain and um, all the information that's coming out with concussions and everything. Um, I mean, it's, it's serious. It's a, it's a big problem. Um, but I mean, the 10 fight I think is perfect. I mean, for myself, I think I get to like that seven, eight mark every year, but you know, I find um, if I were to go, higher than that if I was getting to like the 13 14 15 I mean my hands and my head would just be um just be mangled I mean my hands are bad enough as it is just off the eight bite rule um 
or just having eight fights a year. Um, right. But I mean, I think it's a good number. I think it, it forces people to actually have to be able to play. So it's not just a, it's not just a run around and fight, you know, I mean, fighting's a part of the game. It will always be part of the game. And I'm a firm believer on that. Um, and that's just, I mean, you can't have guys running around taking cheap shots at your, at your skilled players, at your top guys and not have to answer the bell. But I think the time for fighters going out and fighting each other every single night, I think that that, that part of the game is slowly coming out of it. But the having to stick up for your teammates will never leave it. So I think the 10 fight rule is a good rule. Right, right on, man. Yeah, um, it's funny because I've asked, I've asked this a couple times, and with fans and other players that I've interviewed, and for the most part, I, and I think it was when I was actually talking with Kyle Nuber at one of the events down in in Estero. He said, I think it, like at least be fifteen because it's a seventy-two game season. I think ten is just a touch too little. Just for it, it mm-hmm. depends on you know it all depends on who you're asking, and of course that's just me talking as a fan. Um, yeah, from from the side over here. I'm not the one throwing down. So of course it doesn't matter what I think, but I've always thought since it's a 72 game season, I feel like nobody's really fighting 20 times a year anymore in whatever, regardless of what league, I think 15 should be the max personally, if you're going to put a rule in, but Mm -hmm. um, I mean, when you think about it, guys who do get 15, I mean, they only get suspended for a certain amount, you know? Right. And I think that that, I think their goal behind it is to stop the head injuries too. And, it's not to take fighting out of the game. I think it's just more to preserve the players. Because, right. I mean, you look at all the information now compared to back then when people are fighting every night or fighting 20 times, you know, um, and you look at them after a season or even after a game, like think about how many times those tough, tough guys get hit in the head. Like, I mean, you watch a Kyle Newber versus Travis Howe fight. Those guys are those guys aren't small guys. No. And they're hitting hard. Every punch is landing. You think about how their head feels after a game. I mean, they got hard heads, but you think about how that's gonna feel after a game. Or how you think of it you think of it after a season, those two fight three or four times, think about how they're gonna feel after that. But think about if they did it fifteen times. Right. I mean, I think I think fifteen game fifteen fights wouldn't be a bad rule, but I also I also see why they do the ten. No, absolutely. Um, I, I see the te- the ten. It's do I like it? Not really. Um, but I think it's it's better than what like the like well you just said the OHL is three, and I think yeah. the Quebec League. Um, I think it's one. The Quebec League's ten. I think the Quebec League's ten. I, I thought it went unless that, they changed the junior it. league. I thought yeah because it was after the, they got like held like the government got involved and said like after one fight it's a suspension or something like that. Um, yeah. So that's a bit that's a, that's a over excessive in my opinion because then you got you got cheap shots that are going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at the dub and the dubs, the dub. Yeah, they the do whatever dubs. they want out there. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that would have been that would have been my ideal junior league to play in was there. I mean, I I, I wanted to play there. I mean, I can make it happen, but that would have been my ideal spot to play. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, and it's funny, you know, actually when I was. Because of course I had looked at into your stuff um, and your career. This is my really my first year following the ECHL, so of course um, I don't know if you see on YouTube, but most of the fights that are from this year are typically posted by myself. And so I yeah. was like, oh man, I got to look for this Cole Fraser guy. Like you know, I never, I because I, I hadn't followed hockey in quite a bit. Um, and so uh, you know, I was surprised by how young you are. You're 22 years old, correct? Yeah, I'm 23. 
next week. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I think I can't remember if if Blatchman's got you beat, but you might be not. You know, you now might be the youngest person I've ever interviewed, um, mm-hmm. which is funny because normally I always interview guys who are older. But so coming up in the fighting role, I like to ask this for newer guys, like you know, like Blatchman or yourself. Um, is there any tough guy that you try to emulate yourself after? Like you might watch clips of like McGratton or Probert or something. And you're like, okay, maybe I can do what they're doing to help me out in a fight. Or do you just kind of just go out there and just give it all, give, give it all, all you got, excuse me. <clears throat> um, I mean, my agency, um, they represented some pretty tough guys in their day. Um, they represented, uh, Chris Neal, Zach Ronaldo, Kyle Clifford, There you go. guys who can throw down, um, but, uh, you know, they kind of gave me some tips um, going up through juniors. Um, and, you know, the big emphasis on it is more just kind of try to, like, play more defense and wait for your opportunities. Because if you go out there swinging, I mean, you're opening yourself up to some pretty intense blows. I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I mean, it happened to me in my first year in the coast. Um, it's not a fun feeling. Um, and you learn from it. But it happens and you try to um, you try to learn from those things and just use those as more defense um, learning curves. Absolutely. Um, well, we'll dive into your, your ECHL career here, man. Uh, so you're in Allen and you actually fought and this dude's, this dude's tough as nails. You want to talk about a dude who's been doing it for years too. And I couldn't believe he was still playing this year, but you actually ended up fighting Garrett Klotz. Um, I don't know yeah, if there's any, twice. I don't know if there's footage out there of it at all, if it's on YouTube or not, but how, how was it fighting Garrett Klotz, man? He's just been a road warrior in terms of minor pro hockey. Um, it wasn't fun <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Um, but it also wasn't really an option. Um, you know, I had a guy on our team who was not very big. Uh, his name was Zane Franklin. Um, he had asked Klotz to square up and I was right there and I was watching it unfold and I'm like, okay, this guy's six, eight, 270, 280 pounds. And he's a freak. Um, so, I mean, I got to stand in there. I can stand in there. This guy's not going to be able to stand in there. He's too small. So I was like, well, if I just grab him and try to hold on for dear life, that's the best. I mean, I'm going to consider, consider that a win. I mean, this is a guy who's been doing it for years, fights guys like Westgar. And I'm like, so I drop my stuff and I grab him and I just hung on for dear life. And he almost knocked me out through my helmet. He was punching me on the top of my head and almost put me out. He's He is out of everyone's weight class. I think the only guy that can really stand in there is probably noobs, how or uh, McKee. Those are the only guys I think that are in that weight class. Yeah, man. Uh, Klotz is, fuck, man, he's tough. And he's still, like, jacked to the gills, too. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's just, you know, he's got that. He's been around the block a couple times, so it's ain't his first rodeo when he's fighting. And, um, yeah, I'm curious to see if he comes back next year, but what a a wild ride that must have been, fighting him. Um, Yeah, I mean, it happened. I mean, we almost fought on the bench in Rapid City, too. I think there's footage (laughs) of that on Twitter. But he tried, I mean, I was trying to stick up for teammate again, and he came into the bench, and we were swinging across the benches. I yeah. mean, it was, that's, it was like jungle hockey, bat, like when that happened, it was <laughs> crazy. Yeah, like a page right out of slap shot there. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, you know, another guy I'll ask you about is I was I, I'm, I'm mad I never got to see him play. He was in Florida the year right before we got down there, but yet he seemed like a loose cannon from what I could tell. But you fought Arvin Atwal, man. How was it fighting him? Yeah, um, I mean, we kind of when I was in South Carolina, we bickered back and forth every game. Um, you know, um, I think we even fought before we actually fought on the ice. We fought across the stanchion in overtime. Um, <laughs> And we were kind of going at it. And um, I mean, I wasn't playing the overtime, so it was kind of a good trade off. Um, so he got kicked out of the game. I got kicked out of the game. But then, you know, that fight that him and I had, it was, it was, I mean, he kind of stuck with me from behind. And I just turned around and just, I mean, we went at it. I still had one glove on. I mean, almost the entire fight. Um, but he, he was pretty tough. I, I've heard rumors about him being pretty tough. I mean, I think I did pretty well. I think we both kind of stood in there. He's he's in my weight class, and there's not many times where I try to go above my weight class. I mean, I can fight the tough guys. I mean, I may not win, but I can stand in there and take them. But um, I think my weight class is definitely right there with him. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, well, you actually, so now you end up in Toledo. And, you know, this is the place you like to call home. And I've at the end, I got a couple fan questions because I submitted, uh, you know, out to the Toledo walleye like fan club or fan page on Facebook. So we'll get to some fan questions at yeah. the end here. Um, so what were your initial thoughts of, of going into to, uh, to uh, Toledo? Because I've I've seen their arena and man, for an ECHL team, it seems like they just pack that fucking place on the regular. Oh, yeah. Always. Every day. I mean, we have the best fans in the league why I like playing there. Um, you know, there's not many coast teams that are going to have a fan base like that where you go in as, I mean, you've seen other ECHL teams. You've seen places like Tulsa or Wichita. They don't get many fans. Right. Um, even Allen. Allen doesn't get a lot of fans. But you go in there and it's packed every night. Every night. I mean, we had our two outdoor games this year and it was crazy. I think there was like almost 13,000 fans cool. and that, I mean, they, in that setting, there's so much open space, but you can still hear the fans. It wasn't like we were playing just outside. There was a lot right. of fans and, you know, anytime anything happens, whether it's a hit, a shot, a state, the crowd's going nuts and, you know, it makes it a lot more fun to play in front of that. And, you know, all my teammates in Toledo can attest to that. It's one of a kind. I mean, when we're on the road, it's a lot tougher than it is at home because we have that. I mean, there are there are seventh man on the ice. I mean, they really bring up the spirits for all of us, regardless if we're winning or losing. I mean, they're always engaged. Um, you know, um, that place when it's completely full playoffs was a whole other animal i don't think there was a single empty seat and you know for the first for i mean all the rounds even the finals they were loud regardless of winning or losing and they never lost hope and that's something that um not many not many teams in the minors can say that they get um but it's a it's a hell of a time there yeah no it seems like it and uh 
I've I've followed the uh, Toledo page for a bit there. I, I try to follow as many pages as I can to kind of familiarize myself with teams and uh, for mm-hmm. occasions like this where I could, uh, you know, if they have questions for a player, I can actually interview them <laughs> and ask those questions. But, yeah, it seems like Toledo's always packed out. And one of the things that killed me, and I, I think I've talked to the guy who does it, but I just didn't know I was talking to him, but they actually throw walleye on the ice <laughs> after either like a goal yep. or I think it might it was either one of you or Mitchell Hurd's fights. A Toledo was or a, a Toledo, a walleye was thrown on the ice, and I about fell out of my chair laughing so hard. But that's like, yeah, the pinnacle like minor pro hockey diehard mentality, and I love it. Yeah, I mean that's Robert Scott, and then there's another <laughs> guy that does it too. Um, but yeah, he brings. My wife actually got a picture with the fish before he even threw it on the ice, um, and they're not small walleye. Like no. these are these are massive walleye he's thrown on the ice, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I know Idaho Idaho does something like it now, or I think they've done it for a while too, but they throw steelhead. And then uh, same with uh, Utah, they throw stuff on the ice now. But I, that it wasn't like that when I was there. So I think that's a new thing this year. Um, so like they, when we were there, they scored, they threw, they call it feeding the bear and they throw a bunch of stuff too, but it's nothing compared to what like Toledo does. I mean, I think in the playoffs, they started throwing the octopus on the ice from the Red Wings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I've never seen anything like it, but it was all time to say the least. No. Yeah. Like you said, even though I'm an Everblades fan, I got to appreciate, I I always just appreciate just minor pro hockey, like diehard mentality. And like, like you said, this, this walleye that they're throwing, like you got to use two hands to chuck it over. And I mean, and it's funny because old old boy's a couple rows up too. It's not like he's on the glass. It's like, could be like eight rows up on him. I mean, he's hucking this thing center ice, and it's great. Yeah, our playoff uh, video that they did for the playoff promo, they did a video from behind of him throwing it on the ice. Oh, right on. That's awesome. I love that they yeah. actually embrace it, too, because you know some arenas would be like, oh, no, don't do that. But, I, I mean, you got to. It's yeah. like Toledo Walleye. Yeah. Um, I mean, they embrace it, I think. But they only allow those two people who throw the fish to bring fish in. That's it's probably. only those two people. Security, <laughs> security knows who they are, and they bring them in. So. They've been doing it for years, and I don't think they're ever going to stop. Yeah, that makes that, that's probably best because I don't think uh, <laughs> if you know fourteen people brought in walleye, cleaning up fish all over the ice ain't going to be fun. Um, yeah. Well, the fight that actually caught my eye from you at the beginning of the season, and I'm pretty sure you buckled him. I have it labeled as a TKO, but you you got Tommy Apat pretty good, um, and it looked yeah. like one of his teammates was going to square off with you, but instead he took the fight. Um, what was kind of going yeah. on there, and what transpired? Um, I mean, they were kind of just going back and forth between which one of them was going to fight me. Um, <laughs> I knew the one guy, um, I played with him and Alan, um, half, he's a good dude, but he, uh, the two of them, they were just sitting there. Um, after I got, after I hit that guy, I mean, they were just kind of like, who's going to fight me. And that, um, one of them said, I got him. I'm going to fight him. And then the other one was like, no, half, like I got, I got, so, and we squared up and yeah, it was a good fight. I mean. Um, I kind of just waited for my opportunity on, on when to grab and throw. I think the first one, the first one just barely missed and the second one hit him on the button. Um, and it dropped him for sure. I, I felt the whole body just drop, but I mean, kudos to that guy. I mean, he went and played in the American league the rest of the year after. So. Yeah. I've, I've always said there's nothing, ain't no shame in getting dropped in a fight. Everybody gets dropped. Don't matter who you no. are. Um, oh, it happened to me when I was uh, when I was a rookie, and Alan 
product stepped out of penalty box, squared up for the guy. Uh, Joshua L, tough, tough guy, and uh, he one punched me and just buckled my knees. I got back up, tried to keep fighting, but the refs are they're very uh, keen on getting in when someone gets buckled. So right. yeah. Um, well, I got to ask you about a teammate as well, and. I was, I'd heard like stories about him because I think he was in Florida two years prior, two or three years. Mitchell Hurd. Yeah, the the, the Toledo Bash brothers over there. I love the combo of you and Mitchell Hurd. What's it like playing alongside him? Yeah, he's he's one of a kind, man. Um, He is skilled, but he can throw. He can throw with the best of them. He's not scared of anything. Um, You know, he's a good dude, too. like he's a good teammate to be around. Um, I mean, we were neighbors two doors down from each other. Um, he's passionate about the game. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have a teammate who's always passionate and not having to be the only guy who has to throw down. Because um, when you got to do it yourself, it's it's honestly, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do when it's just you. Um, so it's nice to have a little, it's nice to have a little bit of help there too. Um, but he is, he is tough. He is real tough. And, you know, um, I learned a few things from him this year with all that stuff. Cause I mean, he's 10 years pro. Um, so he's seen a lot. He's been through a lot. He's fought a lot of tough guy, tough guys, but he gave me some tips this year too. So I'll be using those, but he's a, he is, he's crazy. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, well, and, you know, he does the same thing. I shouldn't say the same thing, but you both, both kind of do it. Uh, like, you know, after you, you get into a fight, you're at the home barn and, you know, you're dropping the bucket, spinning it, you're, you're pumping the crowd up. When did that kind of start for you? Did that start in junior or was that something you started developing in pro? Because I don't think. That was people... only Toledo. Oh, only Toledo, really? Yeah, I mean, you can't do it when you're on the fans. Yeah, that's true, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> kind of look kind of look dumb if you do it when you're on the road or away. Um when you have fans or don't have any fans, I mean, in juniors, we didn't get any fans. Right. Um, I did it once in juniors. Um, and then it never did it after because there was really no response, but that feeling that you get as the player after that fight, being able to control that crowd and get them going and get that momentum flowing in the building and the energy up, you know, it goes a long way. I mean, the crowd is so responsive in Toledo, um, especially after a fight, um, because, I mean, when you fight, I mean, the crowd's looking at the one and only thing going on, on the ice, which is the fight. And then after the fight, they're looking at their hometown guy. They're not looking at the other guy. So you can get that crowd going and that momentum shifts. I mean, if we're down, if we're down and we get in a, and one of us get in a fight and we get that crowd going, um, I mean, the momentum completely shifts. The crowd's going nuts and they stay nuts. And, you know, it brings our spirits up on the bench and, makes it a little bit easier to get that extra step and get that step going. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, that's something I like to ask guys too, because some folks don't believe, you know, that fighting can swing a game and it doesn't always work. It's not saying just because you get no. a fight that you're going to go out and score next shift, you know, but does, mm-hmm. that, does that definitely play a factor for you guys on the bench for the rest of the game? You know, knowing that oh, Cole, big time, Cole Frazier sure. just, you know, dropped this guy and we're going to go out there and get it done. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like you said, it doesn't always work. Um, but that's hockey. I mean, you got to try everything. I mean, regardless, I mean, if it's not your night, it's not your night. It's how it's going to be. Every team has it. But if there's one thing that you can change and and that's, that helps the momentum of the game and turns things around, whether it's a big hit, a big fight, a big goal, I mean, 
you're going to try to do it. It's part of, it's part of the game. But for us on the bench in Toledo, I mean, when that crowd starts going, it gets all of us going. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you brought up the outdoor game earlier, and you actually had a fight in the outdoor game versus Riley McKay. What brought that fight mm-hmm. about? Um, he was asking our captain to fight and kind of messing at our, messing with our captain. You know, the guys play almost a thousand games in professional hockey. Um, so you can't do that without having to answer the bell. Um, so, I mean, that was one of those instances where you're sticking up for your teammate and where that aspect of fighting is never going to come out of the game. I mean, you go after your skilled guy or whatever, and, um, you're going to have to answer to someone who can, um, I mean, not saying that Henny can't. I mean, he doesn't need to. He's right. 36 years old and he's played 960 some odd games in professional hockey. I mean, he doesn't have to do that stuff. That's not what he's here for. Um, that's not what he was there for. I mean, he was there for to be our leader and to score goals and to make make plays. And um, a guy like me who's there to mm-hmm. stick up for him and protect him, that's my job. And, you know, I'm willing to do that whenever I need to. For sure. Well, the last fight I'll ask you about before we move on, and I'll get to some of the fan questions for you, and I'll get you on your way, man. Um, but you fought Darian Skio of Allen, and he's a tough customer. Uh, I followed him for a little bit. I had a buddy who watched him play in the dub, um, so he's been on my radar for a bit. But how was it fighting him? It seems like he just throws fucking hammers. Yeah, you know, um, I kind of pride myself on that fight. You know, um, a guy who's kind of out of my weight class, um, He's older than me. He has more experience. Um, he is most likely tougher. Um, but, you know, I stood in there and I and I played defense. I mean, I think he hit me with one good one. But I think at the beginning of the fight, I think we both got each other with some good punches. I mean, I got him with some quick short lefts. But it was more of a defense fight for me. Um, I mean, when you're at home, you're – I mean, you're not really trying to always win that fight. You're trying to more – you're more or less just trying not to lose it. And with a guy like that, um, that's someone who you don't want. I mean, that's not someone I'm going to go toe to toe with. That's not, that's not smart for right. me. I mean, that's someone who could easily knock me out and hurt me. Um, but for myself, I think just being defensive in that, in that, in a fight like that, it's all about the defense and preserving yourself because you take so many blows from that guy. I mean, there's so many opportunities for head, for head problems. And, um, it's how you have a long career, you know. You want to be able. You want to be that player who's able to have that long career. If you're, um, if you're sitting in there just taking blows, I mean, your career's not going to last very long. So that's a fight that I pride myself on when it comes to defensively uh, fighting because it was all defense for me in that fight. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, you know, when I interviewed Chris Nyland, and you know, if for folks listening, I encourage you to go check out some Chris Nyland clips. If you're a, if you're an ECHL fan, and you've never seen any, but very undersized guy from Montreal. And he said the same thing. He said, I couldn't go toe to toe with these guys because I wouldn't have had as long of a career as I, I, I did. So it's, it's true. You know, it's a war of attrition when it comes to hockey, not only just playoffs, but when you start fighting and you got shoulders and hands and you got to worry about your face. So um, I know some, everybody wants every single fight to be tasker versus send, but it's just not going to happen. It's no, and it's not smart. No, it's not. It's it's really not. I mean, it's, yeah, it's great for the fans. It's great for, it's great for content, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's a good way to, it's a good way to have CTE when you're older. I mean, CTE is a big thing. And 
I mean, I think about it all the time. I mean, I've had my head, I've had my head injuries. I've had my concussions. They're not fun and they're hard to recover from. And each one you get that is after your first one, it's a longer recovery time. And, you know, I've had some buddies who have had to retire from the game because of concussions. Um, and it's a scary thing to think about because now you see all this stuff coming out with CTE and everything. And it, you know, it's scary. You look at all these enforcers from back in the day when there wasn't information on this stuff and you see guys, um, all the time battling all these different sorts of, uh, um, mental problems when it comes to, uh, mental disorders, when it comes to depression and anxiety and, um, drug abuse and substance abuse, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big problem. And I think that they're doing a better job addressing it now. Um, and it definitely makes me feel safer and me feel better about it because if I need the help, I can get it. Um, I mean, I'm good now, but who knows what's, what's say 10 years down the road when all this stuff, when I retire and all this stuff settles down and starts to develop, you know, um, I mean, I only pray and hope that, um, I'm good and everything's good, but it's one of those things that you got to think about and preserve yourself. That's why the defensive part of fighting is definitely a big thing. Yeah. It's definitely important to be like a technical fighter. And like you said, you mm-hmm. can't just go out there just swinging toe to toe every time. It's just, it's, you're just not going to have a long career and it's not good for you. Um, and yeah. at the end of the day, while I, I, you know, I enjoy fights, I post fights, this entire podcast is dedicated to fights, but I never, you never want to see anybody get injured or seriously struggling yeah. after hockey or anything like that. It's more so just to appreciate like what you do, man. You're, you're oh, fucking, for sure. You're going yeah. to war for your teammates, man. I mean, there's nothing more admirable than that in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the, what kind of, that kind of wraps up this year at least, and I know you're going to go back to Toledo next season, but you actually ended up in the uh, Kelly Cup Finals, and unfortunately you came up short versus Florida. But how was that experience for you, man? Um, I mean, it was a great experience. Um, I didn't play after game six in the first round um, uh, just because of numbers. We got some guys back, and, um, you know, Coach did what he, what he, what he did, and, um, you know, he put in the guys that we thought we were going to win it. And, um, you know, with everything, I mean, everything happens for a reason. I mean, something that we're all going to learn from something that we all really wanted. I mean, it was heartbreaking sitting in that room after game five. Um, I mean, we were all just crushed. I mean, not many times are you going to be able to say that you're in the finals again. Um, who knows? Like could be some guys last time. I mean, hopefully we make a run for it again this year. Um, and I think we'll be able to do that um, with our coach and our staff and the guys that we're putting together again. I know that we have some returners. Um, well, some guys have left, but, you know, um, for me, it was my first playoffs. Um, I hadn't been, I mean, like I said, my first year ended early because of COVID. Um, and then my second year, um, I didn't make the playoff roster in Utah. But, you know, it was my first playoffs, and I got those six games under my belt and learned what it was really like to play playoff hockey. It's a whole other animal. It's not regular season hockey. It is not It's not anything like regular season hockey. It is a completely different uh, atmosphere. It's a completely different game. It's way faster, way harder, way more physical. And, you know, I got to see that all the way through. And regardless of if I played or not, you know, it was a great experience. And, I learned a lot from it. And, uh, I mean, it sucked not being able to be out there with my teammates um, in those last in those last um, series. But, you know, I, I learned from them watching and um, 
seeing what it's like in the room and everything. But um, hopefully we make a run for it this year and, and I'm uh, and I'm in there for the whole playoffs. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it was a, it was a great playoff series between Florida and Toledo. Uh, I got to watch it up here in North Carolina and we were, uh, of course, you know, going for the Everblades, but it was overall a great series. And um, I, I had a lot of fun watching it. And I, like I said, um, seeing the Toledo fans just going crazy up there during the playoffs was pretty cool. Um, so speaking of the fans, we'll get into some of the fan questions here. And it's just a couple. But uh, Chris asked, what is your favorite walleye memory so far? Mm. You know, honestly, this whole last season, that was yeah. my favorite walleye memory. Just regardless of the fact that we win or lose, um, you know, being around the boys and being around the team for um, for as long as we were and being able to, I mean, I mean we, went, we got home, I, think I got home June 20th, you know, it was a long season. You make some, some friendships and some memories that are going to last your whole life. Um, you know, and being able to play with that crowd behind us and those fans, you know, that this whole season was my favorite walleye memory. There isn't one specific thing that I could pinpoint and say, you know, this was my favorite memory, you know, the outdoor, everything from game one to the outdoor games to the last game of the season to playoffs, you know, every single thing played a part in me thinking that this season was like the best season ever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Minus not being able to come up with a victory. Right. Um, well, Keith asks, <laughs> so he says on the last second shot against Fort Wayne, was the shot one of the best, most accurate in his career, or did you just throw it at the net? I just threw it at the net. You know, it was a, <laughs> I mean, there was like, I think there was like 0. 0.6 seconds left or something like that on the clock. Um, you know, the puck was just there. I mean, I figured I'd throw a prayer up. I mean, it's kind of like a Hail Mary. I just shot it up the net and it went in, you know, that was a, that was a big game for all of us, you know, uh, Henny scoring with a minute and a half left. And then, um, then that happening as well, you know, it was a big, it was a big game. And I think, uh, I think the Fort Wayne co- coach even lost a little bit. I think the fan got a souvenir from him. I think they got a broken clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so Kyle, well, he asked, how does Toledo compare to other fan bases? And I think we've we've covered that. Um, but yeah. he also asked, what do you like to do around town uh, in your downtime around Toledo? Um, well, I mean, um, my wife's there with me and my dogs. And uh, so, I mean, whenever we can get them out running around, I think that's kind of like, we, I mean, I like being able to do some stuff with my, with my wife and my dogs. Um, but yeah. Uh, with the boys, when it comes to the boys, I mean, we like going golfing when we can. I mean, golf season's short, just like it is up in Canada. You know, there's only a certain amount of time that you can golf before it gets too cold. Um, but, you know, I think that's that's kind of what we like to do. I mean, um, we'll get together as teammates. We all live in the same complex, so it's easy to get together. Um, and then same with golf. I mean, we'll go golfing when we can, but a lot of the times we're just – at the rink. I mean, the rink is such a good spot for all of us. It's got everything we need. I mean, it's got a gym, it's got a sauna. I mean, we got ping pong, we have table hockey, got everything there. And, uh, as a team, that's kind of like what we like to do, you know, hang out there, go back to the apartments, hang out there, go golfing. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, well, man, I think that's it for the questions. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and uh, give us a little inside info on your career and what it's like fighting some of these guys and how it is playing out in Toledo, mm-hmm. man. It's a great time. Yeah, yeah, of course. It was a pleasure coming on the podcast, getting to talk, and you know, we can do this again sometime, maybe after the season's done, and catch up about how this last season went. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, man, you take it easy. Fight. I appreciate you again. Yeah, you too, of course. You got